0: What's up, world? Metal to the Masses podcast, episode four. I'm your host, Alex Uslar. On this week's episode, I got to sit down with Walter Delgado, Wally Edge, the singer of a very well-known band in my other world besides powerlifting, which is the hardcore music scene. Um, I have known of his band and have seen his band for the first time, you know, over 10 years ago. They've been around for a while. Me and him both, that was our first love. We talk, you know, about music, hardcore, what led us to the hardcore scene. You know, we he dives pretty deep into his childhood and his struggles and his uh, addictions with alcohol at a very, very early age. And how finding the hardcore scene and finding Straight Edge, you know, really helped him uh, uh, get pulled out of that. Part of his life I was able to relate to him on that In, in a lot of ways We have similar backgrounds So it was, it was It was very fun Being able to talk to him And you know Shoot the shit With some of that stuff And talk about how Our lives segued Through hardcore And music And touring And then into Powerlifting Later on uh, So It was a very fun Conversation I hope you guys Enjoyed it Make sure you check out His band Rotting Out Whether you love Hardcore Or you don't Uh I don't know what to tell you. Just go fucking check it out. It's on Spotify, all right? One of their one of their first albums, Street Prowl. That will forever be one of my favorite hardcore albums. He also is going to have a very cool podcast coming out soon that we talk about a little bit here at the beginning. So keep on the lookout for that podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Metal to the Masses. Mr. Wally Edge, what's up, dog?
1: Hey, man, how's it going?
0: How you doing, dude? Nice, fancy little podcast mic you got here. My dog's gonna get in the podcast game. I hit you up the other day. I'm like, yo, let's record a podcast. And you're like, only if you teach me how. And I'm like, hey, good deal. Yeah, let's do yeah, it. Yeah.
1: yeah, I want to do something similar. I think there's a lot to be said when it comes to uh, music actually being told what it is, especially when it comes to lyrics and storytelling and stuff like that. I think there's a lot of artists that write kind of obscure shit. Then, you know, and it touches a lot of people, but I've always wanted to know exactly what that song is about. Not necessarily mold the song to my liking, which is free for everybody to do. You know what I mean? Like somebody could sing about their dog and you're like, oh, fuck, that got me through a heartbreak. You know what I mean? Like right. shit like that. Um, and which is perfect as long as it helps somebody or it means something to somebody more than just a song. But I wanted to kind of do my own idea and interpretation and kind of talk to the artist themselves to be like, hey, when you wrote this line, what did that fucking mean? Cause that was too dark or that was very obscure or that was absolutely way too real for some people. Yeah.
0: You know, I, where I, did that come I think from? that's super cool. And That's something that's, that's super different that people haven't gone and broken that down. And, uh, I'm excited to hear that. I feel like, I feel like a lot, a lot, it's going to be like 50, 50 either. It's going to be some super deep shit that that person went through when they were writing that lyric and explaining that, or it's going to be like, dude, it just sounded fucking crazy. And it sounded fucking cool. Right. <laughs> it's going to be like a mix of both.
1: Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited to do that. But, uh, so when it comes to you,
0: are, let, let me, int- let me intro you to my listeners. They might, I'll they be, might yeah, know yeah, who yeah, you yeah, are. Yeah, they yeah. might not know who you are. All right. Yeah. Wally fucking edge, uh, the singer of a California hardcore band rotting out that has been around for a very long time coming up when I was coming up in the hardcore scene all throughout the two thousands, you guys were always around, still kicking it, still doing things. You are also a power lifter, a very fucking jacked dude, right? Just like me, big bench guy,
1: you know? Yeah, Yeah? Yeah. It's taking its, <laughs> it's, its toll.
0: Yeah, man, we're, we're getting old, dude. It's hard. But so ultimately, why I brought uh, Wally on the fucking show is because just like you know, my, my previous guest, just like myself, his background is the hardcore scene, which again, this, this podcast is metal to the masses, but hardcore as a whole is very different than metal as a whole, just like it's very different than like pop punk and all these different subgenres, but he comes from a very, very similar background to me from the underground hardcore scene playing and touring in bands as well as being involved in the powerlifting scene. So, you know, me and him are going to shoot the shit a bit. We're going to talk about, you know, which came first, whether it was powerlifting, whether it was music, whether it was touring, um, how we see like those kind of intertwine, interject. And uh, and, yeah, we'll just just shoot the shit and shoot it from there.
1: Uh, Yeah, before we get started, I want to give a big shout out to John, American Barbell, by the way.
0: Hell yeah. I saw
1: him build that thing from the ground up even being one of the first people to sponsor my ex-fiance who at the time was pretty um pretty strong and pretty big in, in the sport and so like it's cool to see something go from birth to like this cool empire he's built and uh yeah i love john so, and I will fight for John as well.
0: Hell yeah. It, it, again, that's where it's like all, all of us, like we are, we automatically have that connection because we all came from those same backgrounds, those same roots and had a lot of those same philosophies and shit. So it's cool that even if we live on opposite sides of the country, we have like those friends and those mutual interests beyond just powerlifting. And I feel like that's what connects us even further. Cause you can connect with someone that like, Oh cool. You know, we both powerlift and we have tattoos so we have some things in common, but coming from that, you know, that background of the music scene and having a lot of that same work ethic, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. I, en- I enjoyed having that conversation with him. And I'm, I, and I'm lucky that I live pretty close to him here in Florida. You're a Cali boy.
1: I, yeah. I envy that, but I don't envy Florida.
0: <laughs> no, you don't, you, don't, you, don't wanna, you don't envy this weather and Florida man and all that shit. But you better envy our <laughs> yeah. taxes and, and our, our climate, like as far as that goes, because California sucks yeah, with that
1: shit. Yeah, we're getting kind of fucked out here, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, I guess music came first.
0: All right. Yeah, let's set it off. So, what are, what are your earliest experiences like in music? Like, what, my first episode I did where I just kind of talked about me, and then I asked John, like, if you think back to when, before you were even a teenager, what was the first exposure to like music in general?
1: So when I first moved to America, I moved out here when I was like three years old from Mexico. I was born in Mexico, so we migrated illegally, right? And um, everybody was listening to oldies because all my uncles were like very gang-affiliated. And so that's like 89, 90, 1990, So it was just a bunch of cholos listening to like oldies, right? Like lowrider, oldies, culture and all that stuff. That's kind of what I grew up in, so... That's all I really was exposed to. I didn't know what oldies meant. I thought oldies was a style. I didn't know it was so much an era. So like all these songs are like from the 50s and 60s. And um, that's really all I was kind of consuming at like between the ages of four to like, shit, I don't know, eight, nine years old. And then hip hop kind of started playing a big role because I grew up in the project. So like, you were always surrounded by that stuff, and like you just heard it, and you're like, "Oh yeah, Tupac is sick, N.W.A., you know, Ice Cube, West Side Connection, all that shit," and um, and it was always kind of in the background for me. It was it was something I enjoyed, but it was never never something I put right in front of me, and I analyzed it. Not up until what was it? Probably sixth grade. Uh, I just got to middle school I'm a fucking Weirdo skater kid that all he does Is hang out with a bunch of essays right Like all the gang members in my neighborhood Um, Just being a bad kid Just kind of a shithead And I found myself befriending The weird gothic New metal rock kids From like the 90s In 6th grade so in 6th grade that would be what That would be like around 1995 96 and um and I, I I was very drawn to all that music. So it was like Nine Inch Nails, Smashing Pumpkins, Corn, Nirvana, uh Allison Chains, um, Wimp Biscuit, Slipknot, um Rob Zombie, you know, like all this kinda of like heavy shit Metallica Pantera. This huge like boiling pot of music that was so new and so different than where i was coming from and what i was raised on i was raised on tupac and selena so like coming from that to like experiencing this new type of aggressive music was very like pivotal for me
0: and middle school is such a pivotal time in general like you're, you're undergoing so many just changes the people you're around the cultures you're around and just being exposed to that i feel like it it's easy just to kind of flip right
1: Oh, for sure. You're for, you're trying to identify yourself, you're yep. trying to find your individuality, you're trying to like really find a place to fit in. You know, my uh my home life was very very abusive and uh traumatic. Uh to say the least. Well, I never wanted to be home. So I was looking for people I could recognize, you know, places I can I can call home. Um even if that was just being on the streets all the time, you know, or going to like backyard punk shows and stuff like Mm -hmm. that you know And that's around the time i started going like punk shows and ska shows and metal shows that in la they're always in backyards, and it's never like a fit bill of genres it's never like oh this is a whole metal bill or this is a whole punk bill it's like no here it's like everything you'll see a ska band a death metal band and a punk band all on the same bill And that's just how it is in the backyard. And that's what's so cool about
0: LA is that you have so much of that, you know? So everything is just going to be, you can turn any corner and you probably can hear it or know that it's going on. You know, it's not that hard to find. Like I ask people, it's like, how did you find it? But in LA, it's everywhere. Like, it will just find you, right? Like, for me, Look, it took a I've... while before I transitioned from going to concerts and big concert halls and then realizing, you know, at around, like, seventh grade, going to eighth grade, oh, shit, there's these things at bars that are underground, and there's not a shitload of security, and, you know, that's where the change was for me. So for you, it was right away you started finding small,
1: underground, local kind of stuff? Yeah, I thought that's what, like, I thought, I didn't even know what, I, what to think. Because it was so like, okay, this is not what I see on TV. You see like these big concerts with big pyrotechnics and uh, big budgets and there's like a barrier and you're you're watching these people who are fucking iconic, right? And then you go to a backyard show and you're literally bumping into the guitarist as he's playing. Mm-hmm. And I'm fucking 10 years old and I got a bottle of fucking Malibu in my hand that I stole from the grocery store and I'm just getting fucking hammered, blacked out, and that was that was the culture that was that yep. was i just fell in and i was just oh well i'm here now fuck it you know and um and then you start to experience new people and like different backgrounds and and the the cool part about that is that all these shows were happening in, in backyards that belonged to like gang members and they were like charged three bucks at the door none of the bands would get fucking paid right like it was just like the party tax right of course um they didn't give a fuck. They're just like, oh fuck it, we'll make some money, you know. And they buy beer and whatnot. Just like, uh out here we have uh NAS tanks. I don't know if you guys party with that shit out there. It's basically they f- fill balloons with like fucking NAS and you just get high
0: up. Oh yeah, yeah, there. yeah, like the the whip from whipped cream uh, whippets.
1: Yeah, yeah, of like course, Whipers dude. Point. Yeah, I saw <laughs> I saw people my age doing that stuff at such a young age, and you know you just kind of normalize. Yeah, it, right? of course, Smoking weed. Everybody's getting drunk. Everyone's doing like. uh Super five balloons, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, it's just it was it like I think back as like now that I'm an adult, I think back I'm like, Oh my god, if my if I had a ten year old son getting fucked up at a backyard show with fucking gang members, you know, listening to Death Metal, like I'd be like, Holy shit, that is insane. By himself, by the way. Right. You know, maybe with like two or three of his friends. Um, and that's and it became addicting. Not not the drugs or that part, it was the aggression the intensity of the music, the intensity of the atmosphere, that became addictive. And also um,
0: having a home, right? Having somewhere that's not your home that some, you can be away, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I could be a, I can be myself, essentially, away from home and not have to, you know, pay any kind of repercussions for it. You know, you know, like I'd go home and my stepdad you know, he'd call me a fucking loser, called me a faggot, called me all these things because I was listening to bands like Korn or Marilyn Manson and things like that, you know. And then, you know, sometimes it would, he'd come home drunk and it'd be an extended <laughs> physical uh, conversation. Um, and so going to shows uh, was very vital at a young age, immediate, almost immediately. And so I wanted more aggression. I wanted Harder, faster, more pissed off. And then high school came around. And I had already been listening to bands like Slipknot, Slayer. And, you know, all of our friends were just a mixture of goth kids, metalheads, new new metal kids, uh, punk kids, ska kids, weird, like, alt-rock kids. You know what I mean? And, uh, and it was cool. So we could all share each other's music and there'd be no sense of judgment or anything like that. That was that was the amazing part. Um, and then a friend showed me a CD about ninth grade. And it was a camo CD. It was I just remember looking. I was like, oh, it's camo. I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And it was a band called Throwdown. And the record was called Beyond Repair. Oh, yeah. I shit you not. The second I heard that record, it changed my fucking life. I was like, what is this? I need to know what this is what the fuck is straight edge that shit sounds weird you know <laughs> and uh my friend's like oh yeah this is a hardcore band they're from orange county i was like oh my god that's like right over there that's like 30 40 minutes away from us and uh that same dude took me to my first show that year and we went to go see throat and at the showcase theater and it was one of the most intense feelings i've ever felt the the chaos at a hardcore show it, 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 it's hard to kind of identify because it's it's crazier than a metal show hands down every time I've, I've worked every kind of metal show and it's even now the intensity is so much different the energy is so much more aggressive and not in a violent way in like a passionate way your, uh, but yeah, yeah a very passionate very like yo like do or die at this, yeah. at this point in your life tomorrow is not coming up you give it all right now And uh, it was cool to see bands Be able to maneuver a whole crowd And just not act like rock stars You know, like one kid could take the mic And sing a whole fucking verse And no one would bat an eye about that And that was That was uh That was so cool to me Oh wait, hold on one second Go ahead, go ahead Hey, get up, go with
0: that. He's got, he's got Walters has got someone I'm Yelling in here the here. background real quick <laughs> But Man, I, I, this is so cool and funny what he's talking about because that culture—it's something that people just don't understand unless you're a part of it, right? I mean, like yeah. it's so confusing to outsiders, right? Uh, like the. I can't tell you how many friends have seen videos or pictures And they're just like, oh, that's silly Like, that's so weird My wife, I took her to one hardcore show I took her to Madball at Churchill's here in Miami You know, we've been together like five years And like, Madball was playing And I'm like, babe, come look at this part of my life You know, even though it's not a huge part of my life anymore And she was just so confused And she hated it And she didn't get it And she just thought it was silly <laughs> You know, but you, you just got it, It's it, it's either something that it speaks to you And it moves you And you feel it so Deep inside or it means nothing And people like you and me coming from Virtually the exact same Backgrounds of poverty Street life with abusive home Lives that was exactly my background as well It was just finding this place And finding this home
1: right Yeah it's It's the uh, The most annoying question I've ever had And it's like Okay well it's, it's punk But it's a little bit more and some the bands are heavy, so all these bands could sound completely different, like all kinds of genres, but they're still part of the same scene, and they're all still referred to as hardcore bands. And then we stage dive, and then we swing our arms like fucking idiots, and then we punch each other, and then we sing along and pile up on each other, and then our shit gets broken, and no one cares, and a fight breaks out, and no one cares, and then everybody goes home happy. Right. <laughs> you you described it so perfectly. Like, yeah. It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And it, it just, it makes absolutely no sense until you're in it. And then it, it, it needs to click. Right. And and when it does, it becomes, you almost feel invincible. I remember being like 18 years old, going to like a terror show and getting my face smashed in by like a dude that like it's three times bigger than me. And, I felt unstoppable. Yeah, I felt like I didn't give. I was like a buck eighty at the time, right? Yeah. Until the next day, you
0: felt it like a motherfucker. But in that moment, you (laughs) you don't feel shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't feel a goddamn thing. And I, 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 and now I fucking I get out of bed and I pull something, right? Yeah. But, but so let, then, let's
0: rewind because I, I was enjoying hearing that. So okay, throwdown. That was that was your first experience. You found that you found that culture. You found that scene. And is that around? That was you said around ninth grade. Is that when you then found straight, the straight edge lifestyle? And is that when you kind of committed to that? Or
1: yeah, so I had started drinking at a really young age, uh, about eight years old. Um, drinking was my uh, almost nearly every day uh, at one point. Um, was my coping mechanism right and it kind of came about in such a weird way my stepdad was a terrible addict and sometimes he had to babysit me so like i go to these AA na meetings right and uh i just sit there and i listen to these old dudes talk about their shit and like there were these wild war stories and uh about their sobriety and for me it did the opposite so I'm a kid who's getting abused at home by his stepfather and I'm hearing these old men say that when they were on alcohol they felt unstoppable. And that's all I took from that. There you know, obviously that's not the point of those meetings. Right. But as a kid looking for anything, that's 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 what I took from that. I was like, Oh wow, these guys feel like fucking superheroes when they're trash. Maybe that could change things for me. Maybe maybe I can feel better about myself. Maybe I can defend myself. And so I started drinking and, uh, I would just steal all my booze and all that stuff, you know what I mean? Like, anywhere I could, like, no one's going to expect a nine-year-old to run out with a bottle of Malibu. Right. You know? And, um, and then when, fast forward to high school, you know, we'd drink all the time. We'd ditch school. We'd go get fucked up. And, uh, I didn't I had heard about straight edge. I had heard about kind of like the general idea of what it was. And I was like, "Oh, well, like that's weird because to me going to shows also meant getting fucked up." Yeah. You know, that was that was the reality of things. So, how do you enjoy a show without getting absolutely fucking trashed beforehand? And they challenged that thinking for me. Like I read the lyrics And it it was challenging everything that had been set up for me to think about drugs and alcohol and whatnot. And I knew alcohol wasn't making me happy anymore. There was a point where alcohol made me forget about things and made me feel good. And then at some point, it was doing the opposite. It was making things worse. It was making me more depressed. I was fucking like crying at home and you know any chance I could when I was alone and stuff like that so it was it showed up exactly when I needed it to show up and ever since then you know it's it's now been I've been doing it for so long that it's no longer doing it it's just kind of a part of your personality now yep like I could I could go the rest of my life without being referred to as being straight edge or anything right i know for a fact that i don't like drinking and i don't like getting fucked up i barely like taking pills like for prescription like for my fucked up elbow or knee or whatever right so uh and it's not anything where i feel like above anybody because that's that's for me that's not the case i know at any point if things are really really bad it's easy to slip back into those things, you know? So for me, it's more of just like, yo, I don't like those things. Like they don't make me feel good. I don't like not being in control. My whole life's been out of control and I don't like the fact that I can't control
0: it. That's the same as me. It's like a lot of people, they're like, oh shit, so you're an ex-addict. You're in a program. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not a recovering addict. I'm not going to slip up at any time. I know that I just needed to change my fucking life. I know that I hated who I used to fucking be and how I was just fucking drunk and pilled out of my mind all the time and that I fucking hated myself and hated everyone. I just chose to not be that person anymore. And like what you said, sure, when you, when things get really fucking dark, sometimes your mind starts pulling that direction, but it's like we chose this different lifestyle and it just, it's like you almost forget how you used to feel and how you used to be, right? You just, you can learn to program yourself and just
1: be it, Right. Yeah, it was for me. I was young enough to rewire everything before they were really engraved, you know. So, I mean? how
0: how old were you when you when you finally stopped?
1: I was fourteen. I'm thirty five now.
0: Oh wow, yeah. So me, me, I started drinking and drugs when I was twelve, going on thirteen, but I didn't get sober till I was nineteen. So it 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 was it was a it was a pretty hard journey for me because it was. I started going to shows when I was about 13 and all throughout that playing music, being heavily involved in the hardcore scene. Like what I told you my first experience seeing you and Alpha and Omega in 2010. I was extremely fucked at that show, you know? And it wasn't until I was 19. And so for me, it was very different because it was my entire teenage years, you know? But now, after a certain amount of time goes by, it's, you're rewired. You just completely change and your your mentality and your mind just changes.
1: Yeah, and it's cool because you find those things that kind of keep you mentally and emotionally accountable. You know what I mean? Like you said it was like 13 to 19, right, for you? Yep. For me, it was, yeah, 8 to 14. So that's both six years. Yeah. That was like six years.
0: Regardless, whether it's younger or older, it's huge developmental years. You're developing as a human astronomically to that time.
1: Yeah, and so the fact that you're desperate enough to try to rewire all that at a young age it says a lot about how bad things work for you yeah or me you know what i mean it's a, it, it speaks volume that a teenager goes i need to stop now we have full grown adults still struggling with that thought you know yeah. still struggling on maintaining those commitments you know to their sobriety and stuff like that and the fact that we pulled it off as teenagers is a fucking miracle for, you know for most of us i get it some kids did it to be cool you know what i mean because it was part of the culture it's an appealing thing you know it's like oh cool that band is straight edge i love the way that band sounds they're fucking cool they look cool their music is sick so some people do take that up as kind of like you know like a t-shirt of the week type thing where it's just an appearance and that's completely okay um we just needed
0: somewhere to be and something to just relate to and just Fall completely devote ourselves to because it seems like you and I are very similar in the sense where it's like if we're going to go in, we're fucking diving head first. Doesn't matter if there's water. Doesn't matter when we crash. We're going all the way in.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what happened when, once I went to my first hardcore show that throwdown show. I remember doing a stage dive and that was it. That was the marker. That was I'm jumping in. I'm not coming out. And I'm fucking still doing this shit like 21 years later, right? Um Which blows my fucking Um, and i think for me personally the people in it the longest are usually the people that got the most out of it so they feel like they're constantly having to give back because they took so much from it. i took so much from this music scene and it did a lot for me emotionally and uh, mentally and like for my life like i got to see the world you know what i mean so like what's a fucking kid from the projects doing in europe singing to a bunch of germans who are singing lyrics back that i wrote in my fucking room right you know what i mean like to me that was like that was crazy i was like, oh my god this is insane what is going on this is a movie now and uh, uh and it was such a weird like euphoric feeling and like you almost feel undeserving of it because of how your life has gone prior to that.
0: Oh dude, I I feel that way all the time, but for me it's a little bit different because I, I slowly started backing out of hardcore, not just because I wasn't passionate about it, but because I found something new, which is lifting, you know, which you also had involved in your life, but me became my career, right? Music ultimately still stayed your career, but all the time, man, I have those moments of like, is this fucking real? Like, do, am I really yeah. fucking living this right now? Do I, do I, I don't fucking deserve this. I was a fucking sack of shit, you know? Like, how is my life this now, right? It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But it's like people yeah, like and you and me, it's like, we're able to truly appreciate and cherish those moments a lot, you know, like definitely not take it for granted.
1: Yeah, you learn to sit in it a little longer than most. You know what I mean? Like, even though that I that, 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 that voice in the back of your head, just telling you, this wasn't for you, this was for someone else, you got lucky. Right. You know? You still go, well, fuck it, I'm going to sit in it. Yeah, now. bet. Yeah. I don't know when I'll get this feeling again. Or when I'll get an opportunity like this again. So you, you do your best to kind of savor and chew the meat and really just, like, taste everything. Um, And, you know, what was it? Twenty about oh, 2008. Yeah, 2008, Rotting Out wrote the first demo. I had played guitar. And it, we I had started bands before that, and you never expect anything to take off. Of course. You just want to yeah. play with your fucking friends. You want to play a couple shows. You want your friends to mosh. And you just have a good fucking time. I Maybe you'll go from
0: L.A. and do a little California tour and shit and spend all the money that you, you made working at your fucking minimum wage job to be able to do it, right? But you had a blast.
1: Yeah. You had a blast with your friends. Yeah, yeah. If we were if we were lucky, we played outside of L.A. Right. You know what I mean? We If we were really lucky, we played outside the
0: state. Right.
1: And um, our singer in 2010... Decided he was going to quit, and
0: uh, so let me pause you there, quality. right, real quick. So, riding out the, the band that you're still a part of. This is 2008 when it was conceived. Were you were you working out at the time yet? Had you found powerlifting or do you found anything like that yet?
1: No, what okay. I had been doing, I had been going to the gym because I was i I tore my ACL BMXing in high school, right? Okay, and the doctors said Hey, dude! You kind of have to strengthen everything around that, and you know, in order to function decently.
0: And I'm like, oh, okay. So no sports or anything throughout high school, just some BMX and hardcore. That's it.
1: Yeah, skating, BMXing, and fucking being a shithead and going to shows. You know what I mean? And uh, and. I was like, all right, cool, fuck it, I'll have to go to the gym. And Then I started going to the gym like lightly, you know, like just some bro shit. Of course, you just, you know just do what a what couple I mean? machines.
0: You get a pump. You think you're a sick dude. That's it. Yeah, you go sick. I, I hit. I just hit the fucking
1: 60 pound dumbbells on the press. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah. Yeah. On this place.
0: Dude, I remember b- before and, uh, I actually got into powerlifting, when I, I, I started working out when I was 19 to get sober, and I was the same thing, just going to the gym. Like I could hardly even bench. I couldn't even bench a quarter. I couldn't even bench 95 pounds, but I was I was loving it because it was giving me something to do. And I, I remember, dude, before shows, I'd be waiting for my friends to pick me up, and I'd do like 100 push-ups. So I'd get a sick pump before going to the talent farm <laughs> or whatever it was, you know? I just felt like such a <laughs> sick dude now.
1: <laughs> With your fucking Kids Like Us shirt. Yeah, dude. Back, right?
0: That's it, man. <laughs>
1: Um, and uh, uh, and yeah, that was the general. And uh, you know, and I I did a thing where I picked up the fucking Encyclopedia Bodybuilding by Arnold. Right. Kind of read through all that and shit like that. And um, and then um, running out was touring. I had started singing in the band because they lived, our singer just bailed, and I had to take over. But not optional. I didn't want to take over. I was looking for other people to replace us or replace him, and uh, my drummer through the idea, but he's like, oh, what if you do it? Just because he had seen me do guest spots for like my friend's bands at random shows. And he was like, oh, you kind of have like a good vibe. I was like, I was nervous as fuck. I was like, dude, I don't want to do this. This shit made me sick to my stomach. Like, 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 I was like, fuck it. We, we don't have much to lose. Once or twice, we start another band, you know? And so we wrote that record and I kind of put everything on the table at that point. You know, it's that same mentality all in. You just dive in. You got to do it. If you're going to do it, you're going to not hold anything back. And that's what I did. And we were very privileged to get the momentum we got to open doors and opportunities for people to not only listen to us more, but to be more supportive than ever. You know what I mean? Like the stuff I wrote about touched on a lot of topics that I haven't heard before. And I wanted to bring attention to that because it was very, very, vital to my life and um i didn't expect i didn't i didn't write lyrics to help anybody i wrote lyrics selfishly because i had to get it out i couldn't contain certain emotions anymore certain stories i had to just put it on paper and i didn't care what happened and what it turned to look luckily for me people felt those things and i'm so glad they did and uh 'Cause you don't wanna go through this world feeling like you're alone in everything. You're gonna be alone in some things, but in pain, that's the one thing you don't wanna feel alone in. Even when you do feel absolutely isolated and away from everything, you feel like a fucking alien to everyone, you know, even probably even your own fucking body. And uh, you know, it's cool when you when music can tap into that and lets you know, Hey, you're not the only one, man. And you go all right. And that's why we listen to the fucking sad shit we do And we yeah, listen man. to it on repeat Because it, 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 it touches us A certain way to where it speaks to us It speaks louder Than anything has before And that's for me at least That's how important Music became to me um, And then I toured with Harm's Way And it was a Riding Out Harm's Way Foundation tour
0: Whew, what a fucking lineup, dude. What, right? a, what a great time in the hardcore scene. What was this? It was probably 2012, 2013, something like that, maybe?
1: That was 2011. 2011, yeah. Summer of 2011, it was hot as fuck. And um, we actually played somewhere in Florida, a couple places in Florida. Um,
0: Definitely not South Florida. No, no, actually, one, no one wanted to come this far south, man. No, we did play the talent farm. That tour didn't go to the talent farm. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yo, it did. We You're did. right. You're right. Dude, we it's, it's so hard farm. for me to remember a lot of the shows pre-sobriety because I was so just fucked <laughs> at all those shows. <laughs> yeah, man. That's right. Yeah. I remember that tour.
1: Yep. Yeah, we played the talent farm, and I had been talking to James, he seems in harm's way. Super jacked dude, right? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. It looks and I had to pick his brain. I was like, yo, what do you do? Like, what's your routine? What do you He, he was what's like the like
0: only really jacked uh, front man in hardcore at the time,
1: right? Absolutely, yeah, 100%. There was, there, no one like him. Like, the closest thing to that was like that dude, Joey, from like uh, uh, Righteous Jams, but he was like a skinnier, just arm buff guy, right? yeah, for sure, yeah, more of like just more of a fit dude. Um,
0: and then the barrier dead guys But they already weren't playing as much hardcore At that point point. they were more mainstream no. and shit like that At this point But yeah, yeah. it's like If you guys don't know who Harm's Way is Literally just look them up Look up videos from around this time 2011, 2012 and the, Every single video The singer You'll just see him Shirt off at the beginning of the set Full frontal tattoo piece From his chest down to down to his hips And just fucking jacked Looking like he literally just did, got a huge pump The entire time he's on yeah. stage and. All of us, all of us were just like, whoa, we should start working out. We want to be
1: that big, right? Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Absolutely. Um, and I spoke to him. I was like, oh, dude, like, what do you eat? He's like, "I hey, eat McDonald's? I was like, you fucking <laughs> shit. Like, I'm over here looking at bread and getting fat, right? Right. And, and then he's like, oh, yeah, like, I power lift. I was like, oh, well, tell me more about that. And he's like, oh, you know, he talked about the big three, and." You know, and whatnot and like how he's done competitions and stuff like that i was like oh what do you do at competitions and you know he ran me through the whole process and i was like
0: okay and i went home with
1: that itch i was like okay i i need i need i need to try this because this dude looks like this and he's been doing this and he competes so i need to get strong at that point i didn't know i no longer cared what it looked like because i was doing muay thai at the time so i was like leaner and like faster, right? And um I was I was doing the 531 program.
0: That's where I started um, too, man. That's exactly where oh, I started dude, also. I
1: I swear by that program. Hell yeah. Man. And um and to me it was cool because it was like, oh cool, Jim Wendler yeah that dude this the black metal.
0: Right. Fuck yeah, this
1: is going to be sick. Uh and <laughs> and that's where it started. And then, you know, I did like 6 months of it by myself and I was like, no, I need a coach. And then I found a coach, and that's when things got serious. That's when I started putting on more weight. I put on like 40 pounds in a year. Um, and it's just it's that thing where it never fucking stops. Yeah. No matter no matter how if you love powerlifting, not doing it is not an option. Even busted as fuck, back broke. Arm snap you're still trying to find ways to crawl into that fucking gym to try to maintain whatever it is you had absolutely A little, very little you could and it's this almost masochistic thing where even when you are healthy you push your body to these like these thresholds and it's almost like you're punishing yourself for thinking you're not good enough. Well,
0: dude, I'm just, just- going to circle that back around real quick because that's so much of what you're saying – It it circles back to the hardcore scene exactly what we talked about going to shows feeling invincible getting literally pulverized in the fucking face and you keep going you you don't fucking walk out of the pit when your nose is bleeding and stop you just keep going and you keep fucking pushing because you just feel that energy and I feel like it's the exact same thing in the gym right it's it's that same just masochistic just insane mentality that we have
1: yeah it's like you know at a show you'll break your nose. and busting my nose so many goddamn times, all you can think is, Fuck, my shirt's bloody. You know what? I'll just get another shirt on the way out. Right. You're not even thinking about your goddamn nose. Right. You know, and in the gym you go, Oh fuck, I failed that. All right, you know what? Next time I'll I'll do it like this.
0: Right. And you're not even
1: you're not even thinking about the fact that you failed. Right. You don't even care that you failed. You go, how do I do it better? Right. You know? And so I think that sets people up mentally to progress and things outside of that like failure is not scary to people like us anymore you know it's been so in our everyday like whether it's like a physical failure or an emotional failure and you just kind of go yeah that's life man it is what it is get the fuck up let's keep going even when you want to lay down and die your body won't fucking let you and it's this weird internal like conflict now you know, you're like, I just want to fucking leave. I want to fucking die. I, I don't want to fucking be here anymore. And your body's like, well, too fucking bad, dude. Let's keep going. You got another shot.
0: <laughs> that's it. You yeah. know?
1: Yeah. And uh, um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, I I fell chasing my dog last November. And I think I injured my tendon in my elbow, right? And it got fucking swollen. There's like a cyst in there now. I just got it checked out because what did I do? I kept fucking pushing through like a
0: thousand.
1: I was like, cool, sick, 500 for a double. Mm, That didn't feel good. Rack it. And uh, I go get it checked out. And yeah, my tendon's like partially torn. So I was like, all right, cool. Now I got to sit this out. What can I do? Oh, cool. I can squat. Cool. Boom. I have that knee that I spoke about uh, with the torn torn ACL. Slips. So I tear my meniscus a little bit luckily it was torn before so it was just it just slipped out and swelled up okay now i can't squat well i can sit here and cry it's not gonna do anything i could just mope feel bad that i might lose some strength well that's nothing new that's happened before we've torn a pack we've torn a glute we've drain and adductor you know what i mean like you like it's the name, name of the game man it's uh, yeah, uh, you,
0: you if you're not getting hurt like you just haven't been doing it long enough it's it's bound to happen no matter how smart you train no matter how stupid you train aches and pains little things are going to come up come up and they're going to happen along the way It just and a matter it's, it's a matter of, you. of your mental game and how you approach it and it's like that's why you get a lot more skin in the game you've been doing it long enough because those first couple times man it fucking hurts and it mentally brings you down but you know that it will circle back around and it will be there after
1: the fact, right? Yeah, and uh, like most of the time it's not on a big lift. It's like a warm-up. Right. You're doing like a warm-up and you're like, what just happened? Why, why did that just happen? And you're more annoyed than you are like injured. Right. Um, but once again, like there's that, what can I do? How do I keep doing this? How do I keep moving? How do I stay strong? What can I strengthen? Okay, I can do back. I can strengthen my back, I can strengthen my glutes. Okay, I have to do rehab on the knee. Okay, what else can I do in my other leg? Oh, I can do hamstring curls. You know, that's not going to affect my knee. I can do um, I can do bicep curls. I hate bicep curls. Fuck it, I can do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you're looking for every option at this point to keep going, to keep maneuvering, to keep lifting. Why? Because for some reason, you're now addicted to
0: this. Yeah
1: you're it's no in, longer it's doing in, it's power. part of your identity man it,
0: you're not just going to remove this part of your identity unless you're going to remove it and replace it with something else right and, yeah, I, and i haven't found anything else that came came along so it's like that's your identity man
1: simple as that yeah so now i'm balancing powerlifting and touring that and that's that exactly is. that's what i want to touch
0: on that's what i want to talk about so rewind it back Twenty twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. 2012 2013 you found powerlifting. You're getting passionate about it. So uh, how, how do you do that? Because you've been actively touring. Rotting Out has been active for 10 years now, right? You guys haven't really slowed down or taken any breaks. You guys are writing albums, touring, writing albums, touring. Little breaks here and yeah. there but nothing crazy.
1: Yeah, no. Um, so like from like 2012 to 2015, we were just grinding. We were just mowing through it four years straight. Um, and so I had to find a way. I had to find a way. Okay, cool what power gym is near here. Um, oh, there's one in the city over. Okay, I have to wake up before my band wakes up. Drive over there, bang out my main lift and maybe like two accessory lifts within like an hour, hour and a half. Get back, shower, get in the van, drive to the next city. Right. I got to survive off gas station hot dogs and be jerky. I hope there's good catering at the venue. Okay, maybe I can take a nap before the show. Cool play a show completely obliterated now i have to do this again tomorrow i have to squat tomorrow
0: now. Yep. So
1: i gotta i gotta do this shit. people
0: again. fucking complain about recovery and you know they didn't get a good night's sleep because they didn't have enough blankets or their ac wasn't down low enough we're, we're talking about hardcore bands, man. Rotting Out wasn't touring in one of those huge buses that you see fucking Pantera or fucking Slayer touring in. We're in these shitty-ass little vans with a bunch of smelly-ass dudes. That shit fucking is uncomfortable as hell. And that's how you're sleeping and you're waking up and you're squatting the next day. That That's crazy, man. That's crazy.
1: I can't tell you how many times I've slept in a, in a gas station with my feet on top of the, the, uh, the driving wheel and just fucked up in a in like a shitty position only so the next day I can try to find somewhere to bench right and then get right before I get can get to the venue you right. know what I mean like it's and you don't make real progress you just do your best to maintain whatever it is you do have definitely and um I know for a fact if I didn't tour I'd be much stronger than I am now yeah and touring is probably more responsible for my injuries than piloting ever was you know that. That unstable chaos where like your body's just being wrecked. I've tweaked my knee. I've tweaked my wrist. Like even my finger's not the same anymore. Look at that. I can't oh, even straighten that fuck, out, dude? Yeah, I. I what? Totally Holy shit. Yeah, but I can use it to bench. There you go, dude. There you <laughs> so go. I can use it to fight and bench. So that's what. <laughs> you know. it's a little annoying when I try to slide my hand in my pocket, but other right. that, it's fine. Um, and uh. uh Uh, And you you just do your best to, like, maneuver around those injuries. And when you do get home from touring, you try to go back to training and you feel like shit and you're wondering why two plates feels like 600 fucking pounds. Right. You know, and then it takes, what, like three weeks for you to get comfortable again and start feeling good again. You know what I mean? And I don't care what kind of gear you're on. That shit does not feel good no matter what. Living that lifestyle, touring and trying to train is not going to feel good for anybody. I don't care how much fucking gear you're on. It's just not going to happen. You're not getting good rest. You're not sleeping good. Your joints are fucked. And your body's just on a terrible, terrible routine and diet. So, But you fucking love it, huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a love-hate, huh? It's a it's, love-hate. It's
1: such a love-hate, man, you know, because I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I want to go hiking. I hike a lot now. Yeah. And then I'm, like, sick. I just fucking blew out my knee trying to squat three plates i'm like a 600 plus pound squatter so why is this why could i why like just why right you know right just why why the fuck did this just happen you know um and now i'm like all right trying to suck it up and like go on a hike and can trip with a fucking knee brace on and whatnot um and it, it goes back to like oh well a normal person would be like well why don't you just stop and let your body rest, like you know, just don't do it for like the rest of the year. Let your body recover. And and to us, that shit don't click. Right. That shit goes. They, I'm like, well, what do you mean? What What do you mean? Stop. What does that mean? Like, what do you mean? Like, just don't touch a barbell, or don't go into a gym. Right. 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 Because I could do one of those.
0: Yeah, but you're asking. Second, you're asking to take away a huge part of your life, and it's like that. That's not an option. It's like the yeah. way that I explain it. It's like. Everyone has their voids in life Right Everyone fills their, 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 What they need inside with something Whether it's fucking religion Whether it's with drugs Whether it's with fucking alcohol whether it's Whatever it is And it's like we've chosen to fill our voids with music And with the gym You know And it's, it's very much 50-50 And it's like if you're going to lose one of those You're going to lose half of your identity Right You're going to lose a huge piece of you And you can't ask to sacrifice that So it's, it's always got yeah, to it's it's be there It's always going to be there
1: It kind of goes back to uh, my first coach. She got diagnosed with cancer and she's been powerlifting nonstop through. She's done the chemo, but they told her, oh, you need to stop powerlifting. Why? So we could just drag this out. So, you know, like, what's the quality of life in that? Right. You know, do you want to just sit on your ass and die, wait to die? Or do you want to do what you keep loving to do? You know what I mean? Keep doing what you love to the best of your ability, despite what that may look like. You know what I mean? That, that, and that goes back to the quality of life. No one should tell you how to live by their conditions, because that's just not that's just not happening. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sit here and tell somebody, oh, you should live life like this. You'll probably be happier. No, I don't know you. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what your body is like. I don't know how your response how you respond to things mentally emotionally spiritually i don't know those things i can't recommend my lifestyle or the things i do to you all i can say is i did this this is where i come from maybe that might touch something maybe you know but the fact is that we're two different people and your experiences are much different than mine we could both put our hands on the stove and get burned and we're both gonna have two different reactions that's the reality of it Even if we experience the same things, our reactions and our response to that are going to be different no matter what. And so anytime people ask me, oh, what do you recommend? It's like, yo, I I don't know, man. I really don't. Because to me, if I feel a lift, it's not the end of my day. I go, I'll get that this week. not a big fucking deal. I'll get that the next time around. As to where someone else, it can just obliterate their whole self-esteem i've seen it you know of
0: course no and, and look man that that speaks to you ton as a person and your mental fortitude and i feel like it's just it's like what you've learned from what you've had to endure in your life you know what i mean like you've been beaten down and you've been fucking broken and you can choose to let small things beat and break you down and you know torment you but it's like you know you've been through so much worse and this isn't the fucking end of the world and things are still fucking good you know so you're you're choosing to focus on that on that positive and just it is what it is right
1: yeah and with that is like there's actually a good experience i had about 2019 i was prepping for me and i was you know you do the thing where you start wearing your your gear and like you're and stuff to the gym just to like get comfortable in it and um i was deadlifting and it wasn't anything crazy it was probably like six thirty-five or anything like that you know what i mean and uh i went down i pulled sumo and then i set up i braced and i knew exactly what i did wrong but i didn't think it was going to be a big deal what happened i couldn't get the bar past my knee I put it down. I said, fuck. By the end of fuck, I had passed out. Nice. I passed out completely. The best part is I never live stream anything on Instagram. That was the first time I decided to do it.
0: Are you doing Instagram
1: live? Yeah. Sick, dude. <laughs> and I fucking passed out on Instagram live. And, uh, you know, my gym partner, uh, Ashley, she, like, runs over and, like, unbuckles me and stuff like that. And, like, and I wake up and i just laugh i'm just like "Oh fuck that probably looked ridiculous and and that's just my response i think you know to me that shit's funny like oh you goofed yeah see that's what happens Mm -hmm." is that that the only time you've passed out a lifting um uh that i can no I, i yeah honestly yeah i've gotten very close uh, a lot of times, but I, I'm, I'm usually pretty good at, like, learning.
0: Dude, I pass, I, I've i only passed out once while lifting, and it was while squatting. I was supposed to do, like, oh, like fuck. five reps, and it should have been easy. And on, like, the second one, I start, like, you, you know you usually can feel it coming. You start feeling tingles, exactly, and literally things are just closing. And I'm like, I'll be okay, I'll get through the set. I go, I do a third one, and, like, it goes, it starts going completely. And everything black, and my legs just went numb. And I fall forward. Luckily, I had safeties. The bar catches in the rack, and I just fall on the floor. And next thing I know, everyone's around me. They unclip my belt. And I'm like, "Holy shit! That it was fucking terrifying." And I got I got fucking bad knees. Luckily, I had the safeties to catch me, and the bar didn't freaking pulverize me. You know, that should
1: scare. Yeah. Me. And then, yeah, it is. Yeah. So like, I, I I sat there for a minute, and I was mad. I was like, "What the fuck?" I was mad at myself because like. I don't breathe that way. Why did I do that? Why did I decide to go through with it, knowing damn well that's not how I approach the bar and whatnot? I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Uh, I had my friend at the gym. I was like, hey, uh, just spot me just in case. they're like, you're going to do that again? So that didn't go past your knee. Like, it didn't even touch your knee. I was like, yeah, but I know what I did wrong. (laughs) Yeah, 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 it's fine. And I fucking smoked it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And I, and I was like, yeah, okay, good. I'm happy with that. But once again, that goes back to that fearlessness and knowing that failure is part of the process. Fucking up is part of the process. I, I refuse to believe that people who are the greatest didn't fuck up on the way there. You know what I mean? And fuck up a lot. And uh, I, 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 and that drive, that sets something in you. It turns something on that pushes you past those points. It pushes you past the feel sorry for myself, the moping, the oh, I'm not good enough. Just fuck. That's um, for me. That's why I'm paralyzed. My whole life, I felt like I wasn't good enough. Oh, what? Maybe 600 pounds would be cool. Maybe that'll be enough. Nope. Nope. Maybe 650. <laughs> nope. All right cool, I'm in the 700-pound club. Like, I can dance with 700 pounds. Yeah, like, I should be fuck. I, I feel I'm good enough now. Fucking nope. Yeah. But that's, that's that's my reality. You know, that's, that could be different for someone else. And you're always reaching for these kind of, like, things that are just outside of your reach. But you don't stop reaching. No, you don't stop. Because um, you don't know how. Right, you know, you you don't know how to stop pushing. Some people it, like, trust me, man, I want to lay down and fucking die, countless times, and my body just says, just maybe tomorrow, not today. Right. And I go, fuck, man, all right, I'm, like mad as hell. It's <laughs> just like yo, fucking envy, and uh, for I don't know why I just keep pushing, um, and I'm 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 I'm, I'm grateful that I do. I'm grateful that I have that in me to just kind of just keep pushing past the ugly. And I think that comes from music. I think I carried that over into powerlifting from music to where this is bigger than you. This is not just you in this room. This is more. Cause despite that fact that I might be doing these lifts to feel something for myself, you know, maybe like, feel accomplished or maybe i just had a bad day and i want to fucking just unload just drink way too much coffee get fucking geeked and just go for a pr you know what i mean like despite that all those things are for me i think people are observing no matter what i pay attention to young lifters all the time in my gym i'm always watching and you can see who's got that in their belly who's got that grit just in there and who doesn't and you kind of feel bad for the kid who doesn't you know like i'll see a kid just trying his fucking best to grind like two plates (laughs) and the motherfucker the motherfucker just cannot right you know and like you as like a a a seasoned lifter you're like motherfucker just put it down right right but but he doesn't got the fire they got the fire yeah he keeps pushing and he's mad and he keeps pushing and you know That right there is what separates a lot of people. That he's not scared of failing; he's upset at it, but he's not scared of it. And then there's other people where they're very strong, and they miss something that was programmed, whatever the excuse was—bad sleep, diet, drugs, relationship—you know, depression, whatever—and it just obliterates them. You don't see them for a few weeks. And then you just kind of know they're not cut from the same cloth. And that maybe things just don't click with them like that. And, you know, and I'm not saying that that's wrong because it's not wrong. I'm just saying that I have the privilege to accept failure as it is and keep going, you know. And that's that all comes from shows, man, like getting fucking knees in the eye and just going, yeah, I'm sure people are, are willing to help you if you go outside and be like, Hey, like, my nose is broken. Hey, I just lost my two front teeth. You know, like people are willing to help you, but like you kinda go, That's fine. I need to stick this out. I need I need to, I need to hear the song I came to hear. Yep. You know, the song that's gonna push me push me past all this. And um and for powerlifting that's that's I, that's kinda like what? just amplified that feeling as well. Is it,
0: it it all circles it all circles back around to just your roots, where you come from and like all these things that we learn early on, they'll transfer everything in 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 your life, you know? It's like those people that you see in the gym what you're referring to like their work ethic, their mentality That will transfer to the other ends of their life, you know, like then if it transfers into business and see your success in business, someone that won't just fucking lay down their head and quit like myself in the first episode where I talked about, you know, what happened with the gym and all these obstacles that I'm having to overcome. It's they fucking suck. They're fucking grinding me down. Part of me says, fuck, just lay down and just fucking, you know, just quit. But it's like, there is no quit. There is no option, but to keep moving forward because it's like, that's what we come from. Those roots are ingrained in us and they'll be in us. Forever, regardless of what we do with our lives, you know, and it's 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 there's Then there's those other people who it's like they'll just cower, bow down, and that's it. And it's like that will transfer over to everything else else in their life, you know. And it's unfortunate, but every everyone is cut out for you know specific things.
1: Yeah, Um I used to look down on that. I used to see that as weakness, you know. Like, oh what are you fucking pussy oh like just suck it up you know and then i realized where that came from right you know what i mean growing up i realized oh whoa i never had i never had an option right 100 percent, bro yeah i I didn't have that unfortunately i wish i did you know i i wish i had that you know it's It's like you
0: almost and you also didn't even as a kid you're growing like you don't really know anything else you just know that this is your life you know you know you're not happy you know it it fucking sucks and then it's like that's again that appreciation that you have when your life changes and now you're in control of this, that and the other and you look back on it and everything that you experienced, you just you just learned from it and you got stronger from it, you know? It's like yeah. I, I, I I talked about this something similar with John and I've talked about you know in other podcasts is in the sense of business of the people who are the ones who are gonna push, 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 drive, drive, drive to breed success in business and growing businesses, and then the people who are just gonna punch punch a card you know, punch a time clock. They're just going to punch into work every day and like a zombie do what's told. But they're not doing it with drive and they're not doing it with passion. And those are the kind of people who if they fall, they stumble, they keep rolling. You know what I mean? And then there's the yeah. people who it's like, no, they, they won't accept that. It all just circles back around and connects in everything in life.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's, you know, like some of us are taught to have these like safety nets. And that's what, you know, like kind of punching the clock, you know what I mean? Like doing your nine to five. And if that's what you're passionate about, if your nine to five is something you're actually passionate about, fuck yeah, chase it, run it. Yeah. You know, get it. But if it's something that's kinda like chipping away at your goddamn soul, like, yo, there's a billion, billion fucking jobs out there to choose from. Rather it's it's better to fucking fail at something you love doing than to fail at something you don't. Right. You know? So and that's kinda like where we all come from like it's okay to fail it's absolutely okay it's part of fucking life literally life is losing things that's what it is life is losing almost everything and everybody you know and when you accept that you get to enjoy them more you go i know you're not here forever let me talk to you more let me hug you longer let me kiss you more often let me hold your hand let me make you feel safe a little bit better you know what I mean? Like it, you, you invest in those things more. When you have a job, or people, or you do sports, or music, that you're not fully invested in, you're gonna be able to see it. It's gonna be dull. It's gonna eat away at you, and it's gonna carry over into all aspects of your life, and you're gonna be sad, and you. And all that, you know, is it from fear? Probably. You know, and that's unfortunate, you know, because I, I have family members like that where they're very secure in their ways. And they can't believe that I joined a band. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's outside of their realm. Oh, they can't believe that I tore my pec and that I'm benching again.
0: <laughs> right. didn't,
1: the, didn't the doctor say no? Of course he said no. He's supposed to. Like, that's his job. You know, but it's just like, oh, if you go outside and you get sick, are you gonna stop going outside? You know, like, that, it, it you can't, you can't sacrifice all of yourself, man. It's not, not good for you. And like, I don't care if you're religious or atheist or whatever the fuck you are. I know is, I have one life right now. I am not certain of what happens after this one. I don't know. I haven't been told. It hasn't been proven. So I'm going to live this one to the fullest. If something comes after it, fucking sick. <clears throat> if it doesn't, I know I did my fucking best. And yeah, I have one body. I'm going to run it into the fucking ground <laughs> if it makes me happy. Oh, and that's yeah. the reality because if that's the price to pay for my happiness, absolutely. Any fucking day. You know, um, it's just, it's really up to people on how much they're willing to sacrifice and what they're letting get in their way, you know, fear most of that time.
0: Yeah, man, dude, that was that was cool, man. This is uh, this has been fun, man. We took it, we took it pretty deep. Like people, people don't realize where how the roots of your life can. They, they they define you and they express into everything that you end up doing in life and they set you up for failure, they set you up for success, but ultimately it's you and I have such similar mentalities. You gotta you gotta appreciate your your past, respect your past, and just and just ultimately learn from it. You know, everything that I went through, I, I don't, you know, look at it as poor me, poor me. I had a terrible life and I had an abusive stepfather and I had nothing growing up. I was like, you know what? Those All those things made me stronger. All those things brought me to where I am today. And all those things are going to give me that work ethic. And it's uh, it's always fun and cool to sit down with someone else. And like what you said, listening to music, whatever it is, but seeing that there's people out there that are just like you. And then people who aren't like you at all also. But seeing those people that are just like you and being like, man, like, I get it, you know?
1: Yeah. um, It's it's vital. Human connection is vital. And even though I'm quite the recluse and uh, introvert, I still like connecting with people, even people I may not like their political views on, their religious views on. You know what I mean? I try to open my mind to where they come from. Yeah, You know what I mean? I try to understand well, why does this person think this way? Or why does this person believe this in their heart? You know? Instead of quickly going, you're wrong. Shit, they might be wrong. And if they are, that's fine. They're fucking human. You know? I'm not perfect. Like, not not in the slightest bit and i wouldn't want somebody to come at me without understanding what happened to get me here yep um so i think that's why if anybody is to take anything from this is that maybe the people that are scared need a little boost need to be told hey it might be worth it if you want you know it's okay to be scared it's absolutely okay to be scared it's Letting it restrain you. Keeping you in that same pocket from moving forward. That's the problem. Being scared is not a problem. I've been scared most of my life. Man. But it's You can choose to use push.
0: fear as a drive. Yeah, it's that push. Yeah. Choose to use it's fear that. as a drive. Don't use
1: fear to curl up in a ball and die. Right? Yeah. It's that push. You know? That you just... Better to find out oh, man, that didn't turn out that well. Then to, well, what if? Yep. Maybe I should have. Well, I never really did, but I wonder what, you know, all these questions of just what if. It's better to find out and be like, well, that smacked me in the face. Okay, that's fine. I know what that is now. Instead yep. of maybe I could have been good at that. Maybe I could have been enough. And that's really what it all comes down to.
0: Fuck yeah, man. So, I hope that you guys, I hope this, you know, helped connect and speak to you. I love being able to use, you know, platforms like this, fucking podcasts, fucking social media, whatever it is, you know, like when I I go out, I post my story, I talk about my story quite a bit. Someone like you, you're more, you know, introverted, more to yourself. I think this is pretty cool that you're able to share some of your story and tell people because I love being able to use my story ultimately to help people and, you know, I get messages all the time, like, wow, man, you saying that one little thing, like, helped check my head, so I hope, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that, you know, this speaks to, and they're able to hear, and I think it's pretty cool that we're able to do this, I'm excited to hear your podcast, and I think that that's gonna, that's gonna speak to a lot of people, man, I think that's gonna be something that's really, really fucking cool for people to connect to, whether it's just connecting to the music that they currently love, getting to better know the music that they love, or just Hearing and seeing what people are experiencing, right, and understanding. Yeah.
1: mostly the people that love those bands are already kind of invested in those bands. Yeah, right? totally. My goal was to show it to people that never had access to that—that that they heard the name in passing and they missed it. Right, and they didn't. There wasn't enough light on that for them to care. You know, maybe they don't care. But what if that's their band? Right what if what if that band wrote their song and they fucking missed it? And they went their whole life looking for it and they didn't realize they had already passed it ten years ago. You know, like my favorite record was written in like fuck nineteen ninety one. I didn't hear it till I it was like two thousand five. Right. You know? And that's because I did my best to kinda of like look at every demo, listen to every E P, just kinda of go through a whole catalogue of like the scene.
0: Of and course. important
1: records, and I, and I found it. Some people aren't that, you know, don't have that luxury. Don't have that time. And so, like, doing a podcast like that where I can bring in an artist and talk about it, and then somebody might see it, but, like, oh, what band is that? Oh, that sounded cool. I'll, I'll check them out. And then they go, holy shit. That's for me. That's mine. I don't know where this band was my whole life, but it brought me here now. And They can be very grateful, or they can just keep going and keep looking for what they want. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm trying to do with that.
0: You you have a name for the podcast yet?
1: Uh, Into the Noise.
0: Into the Noise. All right. Hell yeah. yeah. Well, hey, you got to make an Instagram quick so people can go follow it and get ready for that shit.
1: Oh yeah, I gotta fucking learn how to do all this computer stuff. I, don't really know <laughs> I got you. It, so. I'm gonna
0: help you with that. Don't worry. We'll talk more about that. So and I'm great. people can find you, guy, find you into the into the noise podcast. I'll be coming soon. So keep a lookout for that. I'll try to make sure you get, at least get a damn Instagram before this comes out, so people can be hyped up about it. You start building some anticipation. Instagram, yeah, sure, your sure Instagram. Can where can they find you?
1: Uh, you guys can follow me on uh, Instagram, Wally Edge. Uh, that's pretty much on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Um, I actually don't think I have any powerlifting on there. I go through these moods where I'm like, oh, "What have I been doing lately?" I Until saw. Lately rec- I saw hiking. recently
0: you deactivated everything. You only have like two pictures of you hiking on your Instagram.
1: But yeah, don't well, worry, guys.
0: Back in his day, he used to bench 500. You know what I mean? What? What? what, what Back what's in my day, that your... was like two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> True shit. Back in my <laughs> day, he used to bench 500. It's been like over a year since yeah. I have. What, what's your best oh, bench yeah. ever?
1: Uh, five for a double. Five for a double? Yeah. And yeah. then, and that was like two months ago and that was my elbow just being.
0: Uh, okay. So
1: if, I, if I was really healthy, it might've looked a little better, but you know what? I know I can get 600.
0: Yeah. My, my best yeah. was five thirteen single, but I, around that same time I did a 500 double also.
1: I did 700 single play.
0: Single and play. That, oh shit. That's right. You messed around yeah. with that a little while ago, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I love it. That's yeah. That's
1: just me though. I just, I love it
0: yeah but just uh, more pain yeah, right yeah. just more pain <laughs> uh, uh, yeah it, it's exhausting yeah it's, it's a whole process
1: but i love it man
0: and then obviously you guys have heard us talk about his band rotting out you can find them on spotify apple music all streaming services uh you guys last came out with an album like a little over a year ago you got anything else in the works with that
1: uh so we released ronin which was the title of our last album um it I remember I told personal. you when you
0: released it, it was pretty it's pretty different, at least your vocal style from stuff you guys have done in the past. And uh, I put it on in the car. My wife again knows nothing about hardcore, doesn't listen to hardcore. Do you remember what I told you she said? No. It, it sounds like ac ACDC.
1: <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. That's fucking funny. Yeah, so no, I don't know funny, what happened. Dude. My voice just like not singing for like a couple years, like changed and yeah. got higher. Yeah. So I mean, I don't care. The songs came out cool that's um, yeah, a killer album. it was killer album it was probably the most personal record i've ever written lyrically and um it's unfortunately it came out during the pandemic so it you know, kind of felt slipped through the cracks but I, and you weren't I able to tour liked, with it and stuff so yeah now i kind of like that it slipped through the cracks yeah because i think people are going to find it again yeah and it'll be more exciting for people um but yeah no we we're going to start writing again uh some new stuff and uh we're already practicing to for uh,
0: shows coming up And stuff like that um, Yeah tor- tours are Tours are back in business So you guys probably Going to book a tour soon then
1: Yeah hopefully Hopefully things like Everything looks good Because we all got like Adult jobs and shit like that Right So like We gotta We gotta try to maneuver Around those things now For sure Which um, fucking Babies in the band Right like One of our Our drummer has a baby And stuff like that So it's like oh, We try to find a balance For everybody Without getting too burnt On touring Um. But yeah If you guys want to Check out Rotting Out It's on all streaming sites And whatnot instagram all that mumbo jumbo stuff like that and uh-huh. you'll probably see me out of me somewhere randomly. <laughs> hell yeah Certified man as a judge
0: yeah there you go gonna, gonna be that wrpf judge soon
1: yeah i gotta get on that yeah dog. come I, on now i i got bummed because i got injured so i was just like no fuck you what's the point point? and i'm like you know what fuck it man I'll just suck it up dude just fucking get this get this done hell yeah. and then it gives me a reason to come out
0: to florida that's it bro Well, cool, man. Thank you for sitting down and chatting. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Metal to the Masses. We will catch you next time.